God lays thoughts and ideas um, upon people's hearts. And Palmy just shared something with me this morning that I thought would be good for the rest of you to hear. Thank you, Palmy. I think I'm not alone in feeling excited about meeting here, Um, but as we were worshipping, I looked around and I felt quite, it was emotional, because there were so many people from our young people to write up all across the age, just had their hands raised up high, and I had, you know when at the moment, when babies are being dedicated in church, they tend to, parents tend to show the beautiful slides. And I had flashbacks of when we came, first came to King's. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was after you'd finished meeting in Hebron. But it was when the old pot black club, the kitchen was in a different place and everything. And when we first started. And to see how the building has changed. But it's not just the building, it's the people. And I think what I felt more emotional about was that this morning I just felt like we'd come back into the promised land. And it was like, this is, we're in the heart of Summerstown. And, and it's not just through, it's, it's, it's just amazing. The people have prayed, the leaders' prayers, you know, the people without a vision perish. And this the people here, leaders here, have had always had a vision to be in the heart of Summerstown and to see so many people that are coming in now that Gareth and Audrey, Martin, Louise, everyone have just had years and years of praying for. And this is only the beginning because when babies are dedicated, you know, they grow. It's a journey. This is just the beginning. I'm so excited about where God is going to take us. So I, just, I just wanted to share that. That's good. We like that. Just want to um, read a few messages from people. Um, This is from uh, my friend Mike Duff at St. Jude's. It says, greetings from St. Jude's to Kings. Churches, you worship for the first time in your new home. As Solomon said, praise be to the Lord who has given his people rest, just as he promised. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us or forsake us. Our prayer is that even in your rest, you will never stop seeking the Lord. God be with you, Mike. Um, this is from uh, Alan Lihu, who is on the PCC. At, uh, is it Lihu? <coughs> Lihu. Alan. It's from Alan. We love Alan. He is awesome. He just sends love from everyone at St. Luke's. Um, his thoughts and prayers are with us today. Um, Alex Hughes, the previous vicar um, of, of St. Luke's and Peter's, say, we hope today is blessed, a blessed beginning for you today. Um, from um, Ian Williams, who came and spoke a few months back, um, have an amazing first day in the new venue, Home for Kings. Be blessed and very encouraged. Love to you all. Uh, from Rich and Amber, who we know and love, were part of us. Uh, morning Gareth and Audrey have a fantastic first Sunday in your new home we are praying for our King's family and are so excited for you all God is going to do awesome things in this next part of the journey can't wait to visit love you lots from the Keebles Um, and then I have a letter here from um, the bishop and um, this was addressed to uh, the previous vicar, but was cc'd in to me. I'll just read a couple of sentences. He says, um, I support the proposal to explore further the possibility of leasing St. Peter to King's Church in view to making a pastoral scheme for the closure and... Oh, am I going in out of the light there? Okay, I better stay in the light, hadn't I? Um, 
for the closure and sale of St. Peter to them for use as a center of Christian worship. This is an exciting venture, and please assure the PCC and kings of my prayers as you seek to move forward together with these proposals. So just to explain a little bit what's happening, um, currently the bishop has given us permission to meet in this wonderful building on Sundays. Now, I think the Lord thought we were paying too much at the high school. Uh, we were paying £30 a week for using the high school when, when some churches are paying hundreds of pounds. I think the Lord felt we were paying a little bit too much, so we actually have this facility free of charge on Sundays. <clears throat> All we have to do is cover the costs, which in the winter may be a little bit more than £30 a week. So initially, we have permission from the bishop um, to use this building on Sundays. On Wednesday, please pray for, uh, for Wednesday because I'm meeting with the diocesan secretary and we're going to begin to talk about the possibility of King's Church leasing this building and uh, sort of the potential sale of the property um, to the church. So that's a very important meeting on Wednesday. Now, next week... We are going to be sort of launching um, a building fund. But there are a few people that I need to tell off this morning um, because they're not very patient. Uh, They couldn't wait for us to launch a building fund. And we've already had gifts of (coughs) £16,000. So those those people who are not very patient, we know who you are. And uh, we're praying for you. Thank you for your gifts. So next week we'll talk a little bit more and hopefully next week after our meeting with the diocese we should know a little bit more um, about the details, um, the legal details and different things and the finances of potentially taking this place on. Who's excited about God's word this morning? Fantastic. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I want to talk this morning about the mess and the mountain. The mess and the mountain. Mark 9, verse 14. We're going to start with the mess and we'll, we'll come back to the mountain. It's more encouraging that way. Um, <clears throat> when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. My Kindle's just turned off, which is not very helpful. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, let's start again. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What a great verse. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, 
It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Does your life ever feel messy? Talking this morning about the mountain and the mess. And I'm not quite sure where you're at this morning. Maybe you feel you're on top of a mountain. Maybe it's been a bit of a hard climb to get there. Maybe you've been helicoptered into a summit. I don't know, it's all been plain sailing and easy. If that's you this morning, we love you. For those of us who live on planet Earth, often our lives are messy. Our lives are broken. Our lives are hurting. And here in Mark 9, we read about a a father and a son. And uh, this boy's messiness was so broken, it wasn't just affecting him, but it was affecting his whole family, his whole community. We've been doing a series where we've been encouraging you that God wants you to be free. That yes, sometimes... Life is messy. Sometimes life is broken. But I want to say to you today that God loves you. His mercies are new every morning. That there may be pain in the night, but there is joy in the morning when Jesus comes and he brings his life and his healing and his grace. We're not too excited about that. But I'll carry on. So here was a boy... And he was seized, bound by something. I wonder if there's any of us here this morning and there's something in your life that's messy, that's broken. And you feel bound by it. Maybe just the feeling of insecurity. That from day to day, you get up, you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see in the mirror. And just that thought of you being a disappointment is something that binds you every single day. Maybe a habit that you've been trying to break, something that you know is not part of God's plan for your life, but it seems you can't stop but coming back to this habit time and time again. Maybe bitterness, anger, so many things that can bind us. But the great thing about this boy's mess and this story is that the context of the mess is, first of all, the mountain. At the beginning of Mark, we read this. After six days, Mark 9 verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him, and led them up a high mountain 
while they were all alone. There he was transfigured. That word kind of means he totally changed in appearance. There he was transfigured before him. His clothes, Jesus' clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Even Purcell couldn't touch this. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. I want to say to you this morning that if there is mess in your life, If you feel like you are at the bottom of a mountain and there is struggle and there is pain and there is addiction and there is stuff that is seizing you and destroying you, I want to tell you that there is a God who is on top of a mountain. And you may be there, we may be there in our struggle and our pain, but Jesus is high and lifted up and he has a totally different perspective on your mess than you do. Jesus, um, and we see a little glimpse of it here in this passage, is that Jesus is totally different to anything this world has to offer. You, you know, it's not, it's not as if, you know, you start with simple things like amoeba, and then you have, you know, animals, and then you have people, and then you have God. Like, you know, you start from sort of lowly, to to high, Jesus is in a whole different category. The word holy means different. It means other. And I just want to encourage you this morning that if there is some mess in your life, there is a God who loves you. And he is high and lifted up. And his perspective on your mess is very different. He's a powerful God. This is a, a moment in the Gospels where the, the three of the disciples, they get a little glimpse, a little glimpse of the glory of God upon Jesus. You know when you go camping, and at the end of the camping trip, you try and get the tent back into the bag. We've all been there, haven't we? You spend half of the trip trying to get the tent back into the bag. You've got to leave on Friday, but you take, take the tent down on Tuesday, because it's going to take you three days to get the tent back in the bag. Well, when Jesus sent his son, he had to get the, the glory and the divinity of God. He had to squeeze him and push him into a human body. That wasn't an easy thing. That was much harder than getting a tent back in the bag. That was a miracle. And it's almost like here... Jesus just gives this little glimpse, not not a full glimpse, but but a little glimpse of just how powerful he is. Do we believe in a Jesus who is powerful this morning? That whatever our mess may be, it might be that the mess is controlling us at this moment, it is destroying us, it is hurting us. It's okay. It's okay. Because Jesus is powerful. Jesus is powerful. It's interesting um, when you look at this passage and, you know, I was looking at some people who are a little bit smarter than me um, who was commentating on this passage. And and this, this, this moment at the mountain is actually a throwback. It's a mirror. It's a type of somebody else that went up a mountain. Who else went up a mountain in the Old Testament? Moses. Moses went up a mountain and his... His appearance was changed a little bit. 
as he met with God. So when, when, when the, the Jewish people are reading this story in Mark chapter 9, they're thinking, and it's interesting that Mark just throws in the little detail. Mark's not a details man. He's a headline man, okay? A little bit like me. I'm, I'm more of a headline man. But, but Mark here, he gives a little detail after six days. This is a throwback to Moses. So the Jewish people would have been thinking, oh, we, we know somebody else who went up a mountain. Moses. And this is a little bit like that. In fact, Moses is there appearing with Elijah. Now have a little think for a moment. What happened with Moses? Moses went up a mountain. He met with God. God gave him the Ten Commandments. When he came down to the bottom of the mountain, what did he encounter? A mess. Just like Jesus encountered a messy situation, a messy boy, a broken boy, Jesus Moses comes down from the mountain and he encounters God's people in rebellion and sin. He encounters a mess. What does Moses do in this situation? He takes the Ten Commandments, the tablets, and he breaks them. Jesus comes down from the mountain. He doesn't break a thing. He actually puts things back together. He heals this boy. You see, Moses represents the law. What is the law? It's kind of that thing of of struggle. How many of us have, have, have tried really hard to fix our mess? You don't need to show your hands, but I think every hand, Nathan's hand's going up. My hand's going up. He's at the back, I'm at the front. So you all, because you're in the middle of me and Nathan, you've all done that, haven't you? We've all tried hard sometimes to, to fix our mess. You see, Moses, the law, it represents that thing of effort, of struggle. I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to deal with this mess. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to be the person that I should be. Does it work? doesn't really, does it? But you see, Jesus... What the law was powerless to do, God sent his son and through what Jesus did on the cross, what the law was powerless to do, Jesus can do in a moment. That any mess you present to Jesus, any brokenness you present to Jesus, you know, and this boy was pretty messed up. I mean, I'm looking at you guys. There's nobody rolling around this morning. There's nobody frothing at the mouth. None of that stuff going on. Maybe a little bit of dribbling going on. Many by me as I spit at the front rows, I'm speaking. But, you know, you guys look pretty good. I mean, this is a massive mess that is being described here. It doesn't matter how big your mess is. Jesus, what the law was powerless to do, Jesus can do in a moment because of the cross. Jesus is powerful. Let me ask you a question. What color is a banana? You can, you, it's, we, we believe in participation here at King's Church. Okay, what, what color is a banana? It's yellow. Let's say yellow. That's the right answer was yellow, okay? Let's try that again. What color is a banana? Yellow. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Lou, at the back there. Fantastic. Awesome. He's getting excited about that. What color is a banana in daytime or under light? Yellow. A little bit of a trick question, so don't embarrass yourself too much here. Thank you. Visual props. Okay. 
Now, now let me ask you this. What color is a banana under darkness? Here's a little bit of science this morning to dazzle you, to confuse you. A banana isn't yellow under darkness. Because what makes a banana yellow is light. That there is something in the property of light that the banana does something magical and amazing with, and scientists can tell you about it. It separates the colours, and something bounce backs, bounces back to our eyes from the light and makes the banana yellow. But at night, it doesn't have colour because the, the, the colour is in the light. And Moses, when he went up the mountain, all he did is re- he reflected the glory of God. But Jesus, he had a glory, he had a light all of his own. He didn't need to reflect anybody else's glory. Thank you. The glory was all there. Most of the time when he was walking around on planet Earth, stuffed into a little human body, into a little bag, but the glory was there. That is the, that is the Jesus that we worship. And that's why we need to get excited about worshipping him this morning. Is because he is holy, he is other, he is powerful, he is strong. The people here, they were quite excited about Jesus. In verse 15, it says this. They ran to greet him. They were overwhelmed with wonder. Oh my word, that... I just... I I pray for our church that that would be our church. That would sum us up right there. That as soon as we see Jesus, we will be overwhelmed with wonder and run to greet him. Did you do that this morning as you worshipped? You're so excited about Jesus, you just ran to him in worship this morning. With all your heart. Now the father, when Jesus comes down from the mountain and he encounters the mess, the father said something really interesting. He says this, I brought you my son. Had he brought his son to Jesus yet? What he meant to say was, I brought your son to your mates. And they couldn't do anything. But he says this, I brought you my son. So get the picture. Here is a a father with a messy boy, a broken situation. And he brings the boy to people who know Jesus. He makes the mistake of thinking that by bringing his son to people who know Jesus, he has brought his son to Jesus. I pray that we will be a church. That when people come to our church, when people encounter you this week, they will not just be coming to somebody that knows Jesus, but they will be coming to Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? You look a bit confused. The front row's nodding. Sheila's nodding. 
I may just have to speak for this for another 30 minutes, okay? Unless I get a little bit, I've got a little clock up there. I can't see it because the light's shining in my face. We changed the start time to 10.30. We didn't say anything about changing the end time. (laughs) So if I'm not getting some response, I'll just keep going, okay? There is a massive difference between, here's the thing. Sometimes we kid ourselves because we come to church and we think that just because we've come to church, we've come to Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. I I don't want to be a church where we're talking about Jesus, we're singing about Jesus, we're, you know, doing things in his name, but actually the manifest presence of Jesus isn't here. Does Does it bother you sometimes when you're in gatherings like this and you think, you know, there's more. Does anybody think that? Or is that just, you know, a few of us at the front here? Man, there's more. Jesus, you are amazing. You are awesome. There's more, Jesus. Come on, we want your presence here. Moses, Moses was a man that hungered after the presence of God. He said, God, listen, you've called us to go into this place. But if you're not going with us, I would rather stay here. I would rather be in Portsmouth High School this morning knowing that this is God's promise. If at Portsmouth High School we have the presence of Jesus and here we are on our own. Do we get that? What's the most important thing we have? It's the presence. Now we know, we know Jesus is, is everywhere. I'm not talking about the omni presence of God. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. The sense of wonder, the sense of awe, the sense of God, you are here. There, there are things happening today that I can only explain by saying that is God. That is Jesus. Are we a church that is hungry for the presence of Jesus? Because I tell you what, if we are, Jesus will come And he will mend messy lives. Doing church without the presence of Jesus is like turning up at McDonald's and there's no hamburgers. What a disaster. It's like going to view cinemas this afternoon and you sit there for half an hour waiting for the film to come and the film is never played. The presence of Jesus should be our passion, our hunger, our desire, our obsession. Because the presence of Jesus is all that we need. You've heard of a dude called John Wesley, yeah? Quite a famous guy. He travelled a quarter of a million miles on the back of a horse. Some people have suggested because he didn't get on with his wife very well, but we won't go there. He was out and about preaching the good news of Jesus. Two continents were changed through the ministry of John Wesley. This man wrote many of the the hymns that you know. You think of all the things that, that John Wesley knew in his heart and in his mind. Apparently, when John Wesley was dying, he summoned some breath. And his last words were this. Best of all, God is with us. 
best of all, God is with us. I hope that's our prayer this morning as we're worshipping in this great building. We're saying, you know, it's good. It is good. It's exciting that we're here this morning. But best of all, God is with us. We read in the story that as Jesus, the presence of Jesus came into contact with this mess. Let me ask you a question. Who was afraid? Jesus or the mess? Can I tell you this morning, all those things that are intimidating you, all those things that are are seizing you right now, all those things that are causing fear in your life, I want to tell you that those things are afraid when they come in the presence of Jesus. We We can give a hand clap for that. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how big it is. Everything that causes fear in our lives when we bring it to the presence of Jesus. They are the things. They are the ones that get intimidated. This man comes to Jesus and he kind of he kind of says this. He says, Jesus, is there anything you can do? Have you ever sort of said that to somebody? You know, you need a bit of a favor, and you feel a little bit bad for asking them. And it's like, you know, is there, is there anything you can do? And Jesus comes back with this. Listen, mate, it's not that I can just do anything, but I can do Everything. There's a big difference between a pitiful anything and a powerful everything. Whatever your need is this morning, whatever your mess is, God can meet that need and he can do so much more. All you need to do this morning is believe. That's all Jesus was asking of this man. He's saying, lean into me, trust me, look to me, just believe. And I can turn your pitiful anything into a powerful everything. On Wednesday, um, Audrey was talking to Alex Hughes, who was the previous vicar of this church. And he was just telling us that like many Anglican buildings, the top of this church, and you can look up if you want, you won't see much because it's a bit dark. But the top of this church is is made to represent a boat. A particular boat. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark was was a place of rescue. It was a place of salvation. And when he became vicar, somebody gave him this. This life ring. And they said to him, you know, Alex, we pray that your ministry will be a ministry of rescue. That's my prayer for this church. That this church will be a place of rescue. I'm not talking about this building, but you. We are the church, wherever we meet. That we are places of rescue. But maybe this morning, you need rescuing. 
There's some mess in your life and you try to break it and to conquer it and to get rid of it. But you're struggling. I want to tell you this morning, what would take you a thousand years to do, Jesus can do in a moment. And this morning, Jesus throws you a life ring. Himself. He throws himself to you. And he asks a simple question. Do you want to be rescued? I'm going to ask the worship team just to come to the front.